Prepare yourself for the most frightening experience of your life. They came from within. A motion picture that takes you beyond your wildest nightmares. They came from within. If this picture doesn't make you scream and squirm, you'd better see a psychiatrist. Quick. They came from within. Rated R. Under 17, not admitted without ferret. Hello and welcome to Coral Court Trash Over the Show. It's because it's all a masterpiece and trash piece to genre cinema. I'm Gary. And I'm Chris. So you recall two days ago we brought you an episode where we spoke about some very highbrow, sophisticated, uh, wonderful, upcoming films. Uh, today we bring you a film about sex zombies and sex slugs in a towel block. <laughs> but also not. Completely bottom of the barrel stuff. And this is a good film. Oh no, no! This is this is genuinely a good film. Um, uh, David Cronenberg, the director of the film, he does seem to make B movies that are quite highbrow. When you yeah. really look at them, this might not be in that category, a hundred percent. But you you look at something like um, Dead Ringers mm-hmm. or The Fly. Yeah. Essentially, they are B-movie subjects, but they're quite highbrow. They are. Today, we're talking about his debut feature, Shivers, or as a TV spot would like to tell you, it's called They Came From Within. Yeah. Um, I've never seen it referred to They Came From Within. It's your turn to cover on the Arrow release. Is it? Yeah. I mean, it might be an American title for it. I think it was. So, okay. released in 1975, directed by David Cronenberg, who's an absolute master of horror. As Chris mentioned, he's directed The Lights of Dead Ringers and The Fly. As well as this, he's also directed Videodrome, Rabid. Uh, so many. So a many. History of Violence, films. Eastern Promises, which aren't in necessarily in the, the horror genre. Um, he's gone into sci-fi. He did Existence, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yeah. So he's done a little bit of everything, but he he is mainly horror. You may recall we director. actually discussed David Cronenberg during our Nightbreed episode. So he's he's been in a few films as well. He was in Nightbreed. Uh, he was briefly in Jason X. He was briefly in Jason X. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he's he's an all-round master of the genre. Um, and it was made on a budget of Canadian money. Whatever it would have been in the seventies, uh, one hundred and seventy nine thousand dollars. Would it have been dollars? Canadian, Canadian dollars. dollars. Canadian dollars. One hundred and seventy nine thousand Canadian dollars. Uh, I don't know how much it made, but it, I do know it was a success. Yeah, I think I think it did well in Canada. Yeah, at least at the very least, did well in Canada. Yeah. So I mean, what's funny is the fact that you you know we're watching this now after watching a lot of films released since this. Um, and even for me, even now, it's it's quite shocking that they got away with something so crazy uh, in 1975. <laughs> yeah, I, fi- I find a lot of films from the 70s are completely batshit crazy and they seem to get away with it and it, it became a little more sterile as it went along. Yeah, I think the 70s were a more experimental time of horror because yeah. when you look at it, you know, the 70s, you got... The Exorcist, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, Black Christmas, this, um, Dawn of the Dead, Halloween, you know, you get all these films that have kick-started trends, uh, and then they're all from the 70s. Yeah, and I, I think it, it's also very much a, 
um, sign of the times. Yeah. A, a lot of what was going on in the 70s influenced these sort of films. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I think that's probably for another podcast. <laughs> we, could go, we could go into that for a very long time. Yeah. But horror, I feel, more than any other genre, is um, a sign of what's going on within culture and news and politics at the time. Mm-hmm. I think, and I've said this previously, but I think horror as a genre is capable of incorporating so much more yeah um then other genres in in that sense and it can be a commentary on events or politics or culture um you know the the sociology of the time Mm. do you think this was commentary on uh class as well as sex kills yeah, I'm. Do you know what? I was thinking about this after we watched it, and I think it's. I think there's something there. I think there's a commentary there. But I also think that because of seeing David Cronenberg's films that came after, mm. um, sex and body horror, seem to be his favorite subjects. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure if this is a commentary on the sexual revolution at the, of the time or it's one of his favorite subjects so he made a film around it that was just his choice because essentially Shivers could be seen as a zombie film mm-hmm. but instead of wanting to eat brains they want to eat you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> Couldn't do that with a straight face. Pretty much. And as anyone listening knows, we here at Horror Culture Shuffer also love sex, we love body horror, and we love big moustaches, and we've got all of them coming for you oh, yeah. during this episode. <laughs> so starting with some trivia. According to Lynn Lowry, the shoulder that Nurse Forsyth stabs to the foot is actually David Cronenberg's. A pad was inserted underneath his shirt for Lowry to stab, but she missed and she stabbed him in the shoulder. <laughs> And I think he has the scar to this day. <laughs> uh, Canadian journalist Robert Fulford attacked the film in the magazine Saturday Night. Since it was partially financed by the National Film Board of Canada, Fulford headlined the article, You should know how bad this movie is. You paid for it. David Cronenberg said the article not only made it more difficult to obtain funding for his subsequent movies, but it got him kicked out of his Toronto apartment. Jesus. Yeah. Critics did not like this film. <laughs> No. I can see why they wouldn't like the film. But again, imagine how jarring it was in 1975. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it was a weird time. In terms of films, the 70s were probably the weirdest. Mm. Yeah, and it overall. became this actually became the most profitable Canadian film ever made at the time. And it was also so controversial that the Parliament of Canada debated its social and artistic value and effect upon society. I mean, that would make me want to go out and watch it. (laughs) Yeah, so this is just before the video nasty stage. 
Oh, this is this is way before the video nasty mm, stuff. Yeah, video nasty. The, the thing is with video nasties, it it's a very British thing. Yeah, but did Cronenberg make it onto the video nasties I list? I don't believe. I think he may have just missed it with Rabbit. I think he may have may have just missed it with Rabbit because what what you got was a lot of seventies films being released on VHS mm. in the eighties. So the video nasties was a very sort of eighties thing, yeah. an eighties occurrence. But you were getting these older films being released on VHS and mm. they were being prosecuted as well. I don't think, because there were 70-odd films on the complete list, so they weren't all prosecuted under the Video Nasties Act. Um, but there's 70-odd on the list yeah. of Video Nasties. Mm-hmm. Um, he, may, he may have made it onto the... Uh, he cast He cast Lynn Lowry as Nurse Forsyth because of her haunting eyes and strange screen presence. Would you say Lynn Lowry's got a strange screen oh, presence? Oh, yeah. I, I love Lynn Lowry. She is an absolute B-movie legend. Um, she was in The Crazies. Um, she was actually the prostitute that we spoke about in Cat People. Mm. She was in I Drink Your Blood. And she has that very... Yeah, it, it it's she she reminds me a little of Sissy Spacek. Yeah. She's she's very pale, um but beautiful, a beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. Um and she does she does have that gaze about her. You haven't seen the crazies, have you? I haven't no. Um she does a very similar job to what she does in this film in the crazies and she has I suppose the, the pixie like yeah I would I would say she has that look to her she's, she's a gorgeous woman uh, Susan uh, Petrie were and you might find this hard to believe she was unable to cry oh <laughs> she fucking does it a lot <laughs> she Janine, is on right? par with uh, Veronica Cartwright in oh, Alien oh don't I know yeah <laughs> she's a crier yeah. How did they make her cry then? So David Cronenberg tried to use onions. Uh, it worked, but the camera was out of focus when the scene was shot. So he was out of onions. Couldn't go buy some more. So uh, Patrie agreed to let him slap her on the face. So he slapped her in, in the face until her face went numb. And Barbara Steele uh, was not informed about this. So she thought David had been beating her up. <laughs> After the last take was finished, she angrily confronted Cronenberg, holding him off the ground by his collar and she shouted at him, threatening to beat him up. Scared, Cronenberg told her what really went on. Once the actress concerned, confirmed the story, they had a good laugh about it. I wouldn't get on the wrong <laughs> side of Barbara Steele. I fucking love Barbara Steele. Oh, she's another B-movie legend absolute screen queen yeah uh, she of course was in black sunday and she was incredible on that yeah she she did uh, a fair few of those uh, gothic sort of films didn't she yeah uh david, we, we talked about her in our screen queen we episode. did we did uh david cronenberg laments 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 whatever not having the uh, benefit of cg now this is a bit of tea here uh you know we bring you the best tea at horror culture shove so, he speaks about the benefit of uh, not having CGI to make the slug look better, or uh, at least erase the wires, uh, which apparently can be seen. I didn't notice some, but apparently I didn't really the wires. Uh, but he's okay with it, uh, as a product of its time. And he said, and I quote, unlike George Lucas, <gasps> unlike that bitch George Lucas, I had no desire to go back and correct it with modern technology. Let it live in the time that it existed with all its flaws, because that's where it belongs. Oh, 
Well, it's true, though. It is. But that is some serious shade being thrown at George Lucas. <laughs> I mean, you've just purchased a, a VHS of um, A New Hope, Yeah, you? prior to the special edition. Prior because, to the special edition. Yeah, because George Lucas added loads of unnecessary shit. It, it was completely unnecessary, and, you know... I keep referring to them all. It's, it's podcast George. Of, we do so many podcast episodes, I keep referring to them all. The William Castle episode. Could yeah. you imagine the Tingler if William Castle had gone back and CGI'd the, the big beetle-looking thing? It's just George looks being like, oh, I knew how to use a computer. Have a look at this. That's all he did. He just looked, yeah. But anyway, that's another conversation. No, yeah. Well, it's, it's really not. I'd rather not have a... Well, episode on Star Wars we have, Special Edition. We have an episode that falls on May the 4th next year, so uh, oh, God. stay tuned. The BBC's film critic, Barry Norman, always cited this as the worst film he has ever he ever seen in his life. <laughs> I don't remember Barry Norman very well. You, you know what he did? You know the film that Jonathan Ross did, the film show? Oh, yeah. Jonathan Ross, and then Claudia Winkleman took yeah, over. Yeah. Um, well, he he initially did that. So he was kind of the British version of um, Roger Ebert. Yeah. And uh, Siskel. I don't can't remember. I don't think I have any um, Roger Ebert trivia here. That's unusual for me. I normally always have. Did Roger Ebert not think it was the biggest piece of trash <laughs> he'd ever watched? I bet he loved it. Did he try and sue Cronenberg for uh, <laughs> making such shite? Did he oh. not do that? Written under the title Orgy of the Blood Parasites. Oh, God. <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a very direct title. But it was filmed under the title The Parasite Murders. In the US, it was retitled They Came From Within, which David Cronenberg found clunky, but he also didn't like Shivers either. I don't like Shivers. But he couldn't think of anything better. Shivers doesn't make any... For me, Shivers is a, a film set in the cold... Yeah. You know, a film, um, and what was that god-awful, um, ice-based slasher film we watched? (laughs) The Chill Factor. The Chill Factor. (laughs) The Chill Factor should have been called Shivers. Yeah. That was fucking awful. We might have, oh, do we own it still? We don't own it anymore. I made you get rid of it, didn't I? Oh, fucking awful. And that's I don't want to do a podcast episode on it because it's fucking no. dire, boring. But now you've mentioned it and people listening oh, will no, want to hear an episode on it. Anyway. Please send your requests in for the chill factor. <laughs> don't do it to me. Ivan Reitman um, produced the film, of course, uh, but he's also credited as music supervisor. And he said, we couldn't afford to have a traditional score, so it's all just needle drop music that uh, he that he acquired. I liked the soundtrack. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. I liked uh, it. It wasn't until 1979's The Brood that he was actually able to hire a composer in Howard Shaw, with whom he then collaborated with 14 more films. Ah. And Cronenberg's scores are out of this world. Oh, we... Scanners. Well, Scanners. I was going to say Scanners. Scanners. From, from the opening seconds, the score just grabbed me straight away. It's, yeah. He, he, the way he uses synths is... It, well, obviously, Cronenberg doesn't compose it, but the way his collaborator, uh, Howard Shaw, uses synths is, is insane. It's so yeah. good. Um, and also The Brood as well. I forgot to mention he made The Brood. It's also an amazing film. Uh, Joe Blasco handled the special effects as there wasn't a Canadian industry in that field at the time. Uh, and there, there had not been a serious horror film made in Canada until that point. This is a serious horror film. It's <laughs> weird to hear talking about filming in Canada because he was Canadian. Mm. And it was a Canadian film. Well, <laughs> what you get mainly now is 
filming in Canada because of the tax breaks. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and I saw this actually online today. It was quite funny. So we said, whenever New York is in a film, you betcha it's Toronto. Because yeah. <laughs> they don't, it's too expensive to actually film in New York. So they film in Toronto instead. Yeah, this is Canadian all over this film. Yeah, yeah. This is a true Canadian film. <laughs> Cinepix wanted David Cronenberg's screenplay, but they weren't too sure about letting him direct. Their desire to snag a horror film, they'd found success selling softcore films to Europe, but had no success cracking the US market, (laughs) left them uncertain. They hesitated so long that Cronenberg had actually visited Los Angeles and found major interest in some of the the other independents there. Uh, He returned to Canada ready to pack his bags and move to the US, but the Canadians finally found the financing and their nerve. It always starts with porn, doesn't it? It does. I, I see why with this one. Like in the seventies, it was always like distributed by porn bloody producers. Oh, Wes Craven was in porn. Well, he was. Yeah, I mean, Sean S. Cunningham. Yeah. He, you know, they did whatever film that was together. I can't. I can't Pass remember that's the left. name. No, the film before it, the one with um, the porn star in the porn film. Deep Throat. They did. No. No, he wasn't that famous. No, anyway. anyway. <laughs> please let us know which porn film we were thinking yes, of. Please. <laughs> um, the, the distributors of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the, the, the mafia people, mm. they did porn as well. Yeah. Yeah, it all starts with porn, these films. Body horror was never a term that David Cronenberg applied to himself, nor was it an approach he intentionally took with his work. And that surprises me because everything he makes is fucking has some form of body horror in it. Yeah. But then... You know, as a writer, again, I keep going over this in these podcasts, but part of him must be within that work. Yeah. So he must have an affinity to that sort of imagery, whether consciously or not. Because he always ends up there in the end with a lot of his horror films. Uh, The Canadian magazine Saturday Night, as mentioned previously, uh, published an infamous article about Shivers in which the writer declared, if we need to make movies like this to have a Canadian film industry, then we shouldn't have a Canadian film industry. Jesus. That sounds like a great ball. But this, uh, as mentioned earlier, it really damaged uh, Cronenberg's career and uh, the government was scared away from funding Rabid. It, It delayed his career by like a year or two before he was finally able to find... Funding to make Rabbit. Yeah, Rabbit was 77. Yeah. Yeah. Even though the film did really well. Yeah. Huh? But that article really damaged his career. So David Cronenberg is convinced that Dan O'Bannon borrowed heavily from this creature in this film for Alien. Hmm. <laughs> um. Uh. Hmm. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, there's particular moments, isn't there? Yeah. There, there's certain similarities. Then, you know, yeah. And to be fair, you know, I, I'm saying, oh, I don't know, but Alien, again, is about sex aliens. Yeah, essentially. Bit, yeah, a little bit, yeah. That, that whole, I did a thing in college about it, a big, um, I analysed it, essentially, uh, and it is just all um, symbols for sex. Oh. Yeah. So they go try watching Alien now. Mr. Gullock, can I give it a read? Ah, uh, somewhat, yeah. According to Lynn Lowry, she didn't give, uh, she didn't get along very well with Paul Hampton during the shoot. You can kind of tell. Yeah. <laughs> you 
God, they haven't got much chemistry, bless them. <laughs> and towards the end of the film, the sex zombies jump into a pool. According to the audio commentary with crew and critics, many crew members took off their clothes and jumped in, and the footage remains in the final cut. You can definitely... There's definitely a lady at the end that gives <laughs> us everything. Yeah. Um... <laughs> And you could knit a jumper out of it, you know what I mean? <laughs> wow. It was 70s, I let her off. Anyway, I'm sure she's really happy with that. Yeah. Uh, the residents of a suburban high-rise apartment building have been infected by a strain of parasites that turned them into mindless, sex-crazed fiends out to infect others by the slightest sexual contact. Slightest sexual contact... <laughs> A voiceover gives us a guided slideshow tour around the tower block with some opening titles, doesn't it? Yes. So, uh, he's like, hello, I'm... I want to, uh, I didn't get it all down. Troy McClure or whatever his name was. Um, yeah, so he's given us this holiday snaps of his apartment building. <laughs> and it's... He's basically trying to sell it to people. It's got a swimming pool, a tennis court, golf course, dentist, doctor. We've got an on-site restaurant. All that business, mm-hmm. um, all there in one apartment building on this island, secluded, away from everybody else, obviously apart from all the people that you live with in the apartment. Yeah. Um, but it, it's the height of modern living, yes. essentially, isn't it? And uh, Mr. and Mrs. Zvieben, they arrive to view some apartments whilst an old man attacks a schoolgirl. Now, when I first watched this, I was so uncomfortable by the scene. I was like, ooh, this doesn't feel right. It was really uncomfortable. Because, and, and you don't find out until a good while later on that she's not actually a schoolgirl. Yeah. Um, she's dressed like a schoolgirl. and uh, I don't know why. Why was she dressed like a schoolgirl? Well, just... she's apparently a college student. And she's 19 years old. Yeah. Um... And he's a professor, we find out later on. But at a start, it's like, oh, this is a little, uh, little jarring. Because I had it down as schoolgirl. Yeah. I, I mean, her name's Annabelle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she, she's wearing this um, schoolgirl's outfit, like pro- proper Britney Spears style. Yeah. Um, and he's forcing his way into the apartment. She's trying to stop him. Um they wrestle on the bed and you, like a skirt comes up um, and then they end up on the sofa and he strangles her mm-hmm. um, pretty much to death. Yeah. And then he like opens her blouse. So you see her breasts and every and, and I'm not being funny, you know, this was clearly somebody older playing yeah. someone younger. But it's still uncomfortable to watch. Because yeah. I thought this girl was, like, meant to be... Obviously, the actress wasn't. But 14, 15. Mm-hmm. You know, a schoolgirl. Really uncomfortable to watch. Yeah. And, and that's that's one thing I always remember from the first time I watched it. I, I was, like... I, I had no idea what was going on. I was fucking Googling, seeing if there's any sort of controversy with this and whatnot. But no, she's uh, a college girl dressed like a schoolgirl. Yeah, I don't... Um, well, it's... I think, obviously, they're in some sort of relationship with each other, aren't they? Yeah. It's revealed. And um, was it revealed that they were in a relationship since they she was, like, 13? 
or something. I think so. So, uh, for me, and I don't want to get too much into it, but probably he forced her to dress up like that. Yeah. Because he, you know, he's he's pretty, he's a paedophile. Let's let's be clear here, and mm. he's not a good guy in the film. He's a paedophile. Yeah, and he he rips her shirt open, a blouse even, and uh, he starts cutting into her stomach. He takes his shirt off as well. Um, which, thanks, we didn't really need to see that. He takes his shirt off as well, starts cutting into her stomach. Um, meanwhile, Nick, who also lives in a building, has got his big airy chest out, he's flossing his teeth, and he feels something inside him. Well, the weird thing he's flossing <clears throat> with, it's like a little vacuum, isn't it? Yeah, it looks like an electric toothbrush, but he's flossing with it. But yeah, it's really weird. I've never really seen anyone like that before. No. It, it must, I don't know what it's sucking off his teeth or something. Well, something was happening. But he hates his girlfriend, Janine. Oh, God, he's horrible to... He doesn't want her to call him at the office. <laughs> no. <laughs> but he's got. He's having stomach pains, isn't he? Mm-hmm. So whilst he's flossing, he gets these real bad stomach cramps and such. And he doesn't look a well fella, no. to be fair. Um, but he's, he's an arsehole. He's really mean to Janine. Yeah. Um, and meanwhile, the, the old man professor is placing some sort of liquid inside the schoolgirl's stomach before slitting his own throat. Yeah. And shortly after this, Nick finds her. He finds her body. And Janine is having a gossip with Betts, played by Barbara Steele. Yes. Uh, Barbara Steele, with her Eng- she's got her English accent. She, she has, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what are you having a gossip about? Um, what are they gossiping about? Just him basically um, about Nick being a piece of Nick shit. Be, Nick being a piece of shit and and not getting his whatever this ailment he's got, not getting it sorted and yeah. not going to the doctors. Um, Betts thinks that it, maybe it's just a fatty cyst. The way she said it. It was just quite funny to me. The, the medical terms in this are great. There's someone later on who was talking about an examination for breast cancer. And he's like, oh, well, they had to check her titties for breast cancer. I was like, excuse me, is that yeah. to speak? <laughs> so, so um, these people come into the building. They're investigating into the schoolgirl's body. Yeah, so what Nick does is that he finds the body. So he goes to see her, lets himself into the apartment. Yeah. Um, he goes to see her, finds the bodies, looks shocked, but then just goes off to work. Yeah. He ends up at work. He, he's acting like a zombie. He's, he, he looks very pale, doesn't look very well, just walks in, doesn't really interact with his secretary at all. Um, and then we cut to Annabelle, the schoolgirl's body being taken away. And we're introduced to Dr. Roger St. Luke. Mm-hmm. And he's the resident doctor at the apartment building. So when this... I when I said it's got a dentist, doctors, he's mm-hmm. the doctor for the apartment building. Who's the guy with the big glasses? So the guy. Oh, what do you mean? The guy with the thick rim glasses. The one that was showing the young couple about. No, the guy who's like a doctor. He's basically. I've got him down as sex uh, sex slug expert. Oh, so he was so the doc, the the old man doctor that killed Annabelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name was Hobbs, wasn't it? Yeah. He was just Hobbs's colleague at the university. Cool. So, so he was a, a professor as well. Yeah, we're referring to him as sex slug expert. Sex slug. Because he knows everything about sex slugs. He really does. He, he is an expert. He. 
I don't know if someone should have this much knowledge about something that doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, and so, I mean, obviously it does later on. But uh, anyway, so, um, yeah, he, he discusses the uh, the parasite that could take over the human organs. Um, that's the scene, isn't it? Where he's yeah, yeah, so he's talking about uh, Dr. Hobbes' research. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's he's had a look into it. And he worked with him, and he's talking about the idea of parasites in the body that devour and then take the place of uh, faulty organs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's very excited about this idea. Yeah. And to be perfectly honest with you, it's a very long scene. <laughs> it <laughs> is. Discussing it. I mean, maybe it was much too long. Um, but yeah, he's he's well excited at the idea. Um, Roger. Uh, Dr. Roger St. Luke, he, like most things in this film, is completely uninterested. Yeah. <laughs> He's, I have to say, this guy, I don't, I don't know if it's how the character's written, but he just looks completely bored <laughs> whenever anyone talks to him. Completely uninterested. Doesn't really respond much. Or very excitedly at the idea of uh, one of his organs being replaced by a parasite. Um, But yeah, that's that scene. Goes on for about five, ten minutes. (laughs) Nick's receptionist has an angry caller on the phone. And she tries to tell Nick this, but he has blood coming out of his mouth. And uh, he wants to go home. Yeah, so he's a bit zombified. He's just staring into space. Um, It's very close and it's very wrong with him. Yeah, and he goes home and he pukes up blood into his bath, and then we get an amazing scene. Um, <laughs> yeah, as, as I always say on this podcast, in a bizarre sequence of events, um, <laughs> Nick goes to his balcony, and there's two old ladies walking outside. One has an umbrella, conveniently. It's not raining, but she has an umbrella. And, yeah, it's uh, not even to shield her from the sun. No, there's no sun. But there's no sun out. <laughs> there's no sun out, but this is also, you know, clear plastic. Yeah. And, uh, so she's walking with this umbrella with her friend, and uh, Nick pukes blood onto the umbrella, and uh, <laughs> the one with the umbrella isn't really faced by the fact that it's on there. It's like, oh, those poor birds! Those birds are such a shame for the birds! Oh, the birds! <laughs> Yeah, so... She thinks a dead bird crashed into her umbrella. <laughs> so what we see is this big slug, bloody... The sex slug. slug, slug sex yeah, slug crawls away. ...looking thing. But she thinks that a bird's flown <laughs> into an apartment window and fallen all the way down onto her umbrella. <laughs> and that's what she's concerned with. <laughs> oh, her reaction is one of the best in the film. Oh, oh my lord! Oh! But that's the thing with this film. There are some... And I, I do feel it's intended... Uh, a lot of the 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 comedy scenes, mm. a lot of the comic side of it is it is intended. I do believe that. Uh, so after she has a breakdown about birds dying and falling into umbrellas because of the common occurrence, Nurse Forsyth tells Brad to take his shirt off, ready for the doctor, and he has a bit of a creepy flirt of her, doesn't he? Lots of creepy old men in this film. He's a very creepy old man. Oh, what a doctor ain't here yet, love. Oh. <laughs> it's a bit like that. <laughs> And then, uh, whilst this is happening, because it's very eventful from this point on, uh, a lady with a hideous flower dress is doing the washing in the basement, in the laundry room, and uh, gets a slug to the face. 
She does. So she's putting a, a laundry in the washing basket, uh, a washing basket in the washing machine. Um, she sees blood going to another one, don't she? Mm-hmm. Opens it up. The the, the the sex slug just flies at her face, yeah. <laughs> grabs onto it. She's screaming and then collapses on the floor. We don't see her again, do we? No, we no, don't, unfortunately. No. Well, I mean, well, fortunately, we don't get to see that dress again. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, Roger is examining Brad, uh, who has lumps on his belly, and he insists it's from a very young girl that he slept with, and flashbacks tell us that it was the dead schoolgirl from the start of the film. Yes. So she got around a fair bit. She did, and that's... Uh, yeah. And, and that's why Nick has it as well. Yeah, and that's why the That's why he went to her apartment mm. earlier, because he was having an affair. Because Nick's a fucking dick. Yeah. <laughs> Nick is a dick. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's been spreading it around, yeah. everyone, to be fair. So this scene here... Um, some of the audio in this film it's a very good transfer picture some of the audio in this film is still a little uh, rough mm. and I didn't get exactly what was said but what I've got down is Betts wants Janine to join her for a drink uh, as she's leaving she tells her to come back and join her for a drink because she feels fat and lonely yes <laughs> When she eats alone, it makes her feel fat and lonely. There we go, I didn't mistake that though. So she bets, um, you can tell, has a thing for Janine, mm. can't you? Um, yeah. They're good the gal pals, um, but you can tell by the way that Bets looks at her. Because <laughs> Barbara Steele is probably one of the best actors in this film. <laughs> yeah. Um, she actually uh, is able to convey stuff like <laughs> attraction. <laughs> And uh, she, you can tell she's got the hots for Janine. But Janine is is now uh, preoccupied because she finds Nick passed out by the fridge. By the fridge? His head's in the fridge. Oh, his head's in the fridge, yeah. <laughs> and whilst some kids find a slug in the letterbox, a sex slug in the letterbox, and <laughs> they say, this is sickening. What is it? And they run away. <laughs> well, I said some obnoxious kids are playing an obnoxious game in the hallway when they find one of the sex slugs in a letterbox. <laughs> she does say, this is sickening. <laughs> sickening, no? Uh, Janine takes her pills and has a cry in the toilet. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she, does. <laughs> she finds the blood, don't she? Does she yeah. clean up the blood? No. No. No, no she just takes some pills and has a cry in the toilet. She, yeah, she takes some pills and <laughs> sits on the toilet and has a cry. <laughs> has she cried before this part? Is this a Oh, she's always cry? fucking crying. It's Every scene she's tell. in, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Nick's having a conversation with his chest. Um, <gasps> yeah, but it's a really creepy, like, yeah. it's just a dog. Like, come on, fella. Here, boy. <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> There's somebody was having this shit in the toilet. Oh my god, that is Yeah, yeah, it did did sound like some kind of witness once in Leicester Toilets where a guy was having a shit and encouraging himself. Um and, and pretty much the same as Nick's dialogue is come, like, on, come on, you can do it. Come on, you can do it. <sighs> so Nick won't let uh, Janine feel the lumps beneath his skin because there's something under there. You can see it moving. It looks fucking disgusting. <laughs> Nick won't let Janine feel the lumps. <laughs> no. Underneath his skin. No. He, he, his little friend underneath him. Um, 
Yeah, if the lump was any lower, you think he was talking to his dick. Yeah. <laughs> Go on, fella. <laughs> yeah, boy, you can do it. Well, I mean, technically, it is a sex slug, so... Well, yeah, he, so. he tells Janine to go away, so she does, whilst Beck... <laughs> she does. She does. She does. She, does. she, does. she, she just walks away. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Still crying, of course. Bet pours herself a glass of wine whilst mm. listening to a news report about the uh, professor and the schoolgirl, and she runs a bath. So, Bet is running a bath... She's got a glass of wine on the go, isn't she? Well, she told uh, Janine to go back. Was she, so was she hoping Janine would find her in a bath? Probably, <laughs> with a glass of wine. Um, she's listening to a radio announcement about the uh, murder-suicide that took place in the apartment building that she lives. And she is completely uninterested in this. <laughs> You'd think you'd raise an eyebrow, wouldn't you? Yeah. If we had She couldn't care less. If it was on the TV or on the radio <laughs> that someone in the um the building that we live in had been had been murdered and <laughs> the murder suicide, you'd at least sort of stop for a second. Yeah. Like, oh my god, I live here. I wonder who that was. Nah, she's carrying on. No, she's, she's got a glass care. of wine, she's got the bath, she don't give a shit. Yeah. She's got everything she needs. She's got everything she needs. So, um, <laughs> So yeah, so she's running, running a bath, and uh, Nurse Forsyth uh, tries it on with Roger. And, and sorry, just to go back slightly. So it's this radio broadcast where we find out that Annabelle was nineteen. Yes. So up until this point, knowing that she uh, had um, relations with Nick, mm-hmm. um, the the flirty old man, and the old man doctor. I was still under the impression she was 14. Yeah. 15 tops. Um, so, for this whole thing, I was so I was like, well, Nick's a pedo then. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, then we find out that she's 19. Still makes it... I mean, yeah. you still hate Nick. But... He's, yeah, he's still having an affair <laughs> behind Janine's back. He's still, he's still Nick. <laughs> still Nick the dick. Um, so, Nurse Forsyth's trying it on with Roger, but he... It... Like his conversation he had earlier on, he's not very interested. He's really not. But he gets a call from the sex slug expert who tells him about the sex slugs, doesn't he? Yes. <laughs> it's a bit weird. It's like he's reading it from a book. It, it is like he's reading it from a book. So we get a, get a really long-winded sex slug explanation yeah. again. Um, but it's whilst Roger is watching... Um, nurse Forsyth get changed. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that Lynn Lowry, I think every single Lynn Lowry film I've watched, um, she's taken a top off. Yeah. Um, so it's it's slightly unnecessary because um, Doctor Roger is just again seems completely uninterested. <laughs> Lots in nurse Forsyth, even <laughs> though she's like undressing in front of him. Um, whilst he's on the phone call to the sex slug expert, um, and he, he essentially says that Hobbes believed that man is an animal that thinks too much, an over-rational animal that's lost touch with its body and its instincts. In other words, too much brains, not enough guts. So what he came up with to help our guts along was a parasite that's a combination of aphrodisiac and venereal disease that will hopefully turn the world into one beautiful, mindless orgy. How the fuck does he know all this? <laughs> I know. Is that how Hobbes wrote it down on the, on the paper? Um, but yeah, um, 
So Hobbs was a complete fucking weirdo. Yeah. Not only was he very noncy, um, he was also just a real creepazoid, really, wasn't yeah. he? Uh, Bets is having a bath that she's put absolutely fuck all in it. It's just a nice clear bath. What's the point? Yeah. Well, no, before, sorry, <laughs> to go back again. So that whole thing, it turns out that Hobbs implanted the parasite in Annabelle as a test, but it didn't work properly, so he killed her and himself. <laughs> Annabelle was a popular girl. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> And that's how the parasite is spread. A very, very popular girl. <laughs> that's how Dr. Rogers... Well, she was a popular girl. Plot way of putting it. But yes, yeah, she's having a very boring bath. Yeah, uh, she's got a glass of wine now. But the uh, sex lugs uh, spiced the bath up a bit and uh, attacks her. <laughs> well, it comes... This, this has always confused me a little bit. So if you can help me out. So she's in the bath. The parasite comes up through mm-hmm. the plug hole and knocks the plug out. So the water should be leaving quite yeah. quickly. Whatever, you know. It, it It's a film. We can forgive stuff like that. It doesn't have to be 100% true to real life. But as the, the, the sex slug goes up the bath towards her um, vagina, um, she seems to quite enjoy something that's going on. Yeah. Doesn't she? Mm-hmm. So, does she start doing... So, I'm assuming that's how it gets into her system, is through her vagina. Yeah. Yeah. Does she start to enjoy it to begin with? I think so. <laughs> she's not shocked. She's, yeah, until she's not surprised. Until it starts to hurt her, she's no, she looks like she's quite enjoying it. Yeah. <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> And you know what it actually looks like? What? It looks like she's had a shit in the bath. This <laughs> is turned. It does. Around. It does. This was actually... Um, there was a nod to this in... What is that James Gunn film? With the creatures. Uh, the body horror film. Sliver. Sliver. There's a... Well, I say nod. It basically ripped the scene off. There's a scene in Sliver that's taken straight from this. And that makes sense, because Sliver's a body horror film. And it plays for comedy. It plays for comedy, it yeah. for comedy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she gets out of the bath. We see her feet for a bit. For quite a long time. Yeah. Well, she, she dropped... Obviously, when she, the parasite was um, attacking her, mm-hmm. uh, she dropped her glass on the floor. And then she gets out, and we see her feet, and we see them step on the broken glass. Yes. Um, and she doesn't react to that. No. So... Definitely summing up with her now. Yes. And then uh, a staff member from the uh, from the apartment building. I don't know what he works as. The guy with the moustache. I called him a waiter. But I, I, and it's... Uh, I want to say like concierge. Concierge. Yeah. He's got a moustache. His moustache isn't as good as the one later on in the no, film. No, it's not. No. no. Um, but he spots a woman with terrible makeup. And uh, she tells him that she's hungry. In fact, her exact words are, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for love. <laughs> and she pulls him into a room. <laughs> See, he's delivering... You know that very um, cliched... And I don't know if it's really true, but when someone orders food at the hotel and it's under one of those um, metal dishes, mm-hmm. well, he's serving one of them yeah. and he's taking it down the hallway and she 
opens the door slightly and it's a larger older woman with yeah horrendous makeup um <laughs> i'm hungry for love <laughs> And she gets what she wants because she yeah. drags him inside. <laughs> the horrendous makeup and the horrendous flower dress familiar on the film, things get even more ugly when we're taken inside Nurse Forsyth's apartment with this horrible green interior decorating. Yeah, it's it's a bit like Blanche Devereaux's uh, wallpaper for her bedroom in The Golden Girls, but not as classy. No, it's really ugly. And the chairs are there to match as well. Yeah. yeah. And she's doing a bit of cooking and someone comes to her door and it's a sex zombie uh, who attacks her and she stabs him with a big fork. This is where she stabbed uh, David Cronenberg, (laughs) weren't it? (laughs) Yeah. So it's one of those, um, like, carving forks, you know, when you're doing a roast dinner. Yeah. Uh, One of them. Did you think that the... um, Attacker in this scene looked like David Hemmings in Blow Up. Um, I felt like he was deliberately trying to look like David Hemmings in Blow Up. Maybe a little bit. Yeah, I, I thought the outfit was the same as well. I don't know if that was a nod or anything. Maybe it might that guy that might be his biggest inspiration. Sure, it wasn't David Hemmings. It certainly wasn't David <laughs> Hemmings. Uh, so it's very rude. He was making deep red at the time. Nurse Forsyth tells uh, Roger about this and he goes and investigates the ugly apartment and uh, collects a blood sample. And uh, Nurse Forsyth comes back, not subtly. Does she? What does she do? What does she do? She fucking knocks all the cutlery over to greet him. Oh, she just... Oh my God, hi! And she like knocks all of her cutlery over. Well, she didn't want dinner for, to burn. For a fake jump scare. For a fake jump scare. <laughs> but whilst that's going on... <laughs> An old couple are walking down a hallway. She has a walking stick. Mm-hmm. And, well, it's one of those walking sticks with, like, the pronged ends. So there's... It's not like an old-fashioned walking stick. There's, like, five different prongs yeah. at the end. Um, but she's walking down the hallway, and one of the sex slugs crawls up her <laughs> stick and bites her on the arm. Yeah. She collapses, and her husband <laughs> squishes the parasite with the stick. <laughs> and uh, they come across Nurse Forsyth. He's got a moustache, hasn't he? He has. He's got a meaty moustache. But the best one's coming up. The best one's oh, coming up. I know. Nurse, Nurse Forsyth and Roger come across this couple, and uh, Roger offers Nurse Forsyth's help, and tells them to go back to her apartment and stay in there. Yeah, so... The misunderstanding is that they their English isn't very good. No. Um, so they can't really explain exactly what happened. So he s- thinks it's a burn on her arm. Yeah, and, and the wife in this couple, she always looks happy. Even when she's in danger, she looks so excited <laughs> yeah. all the time. And he sounds like... Mario. He does. He does. He does. A, very, he very like stereotypical accent. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, a woman in an ugly sweater uh, with her kid in uh, in a lift. Uh, they're just in the lift, mind their own business. And uh, a m- the member of staff who got attacked by the woman who was in the mood for love, uh, he seductively eats a hot dog. That's not seductive. I think he was trying to go for seductive. <laughs> he was making eye contact whilst eating a hot dog. The lift door's open, yeah, and there's a lot of eye contact. There's a lot of ketchup on it as well. Yeah. 
<laughs> and uh, then he attacks the mum and uh, the lift doors close. Janine goes to uh, <laughs> Janine goes to see Nick and he's now feeling wonderful and he tells her to make love to him. He's like, make love to me, Janine. You're my wife. Yeah, so you can tell something's definitely up because he's a fucking dickhead. Yeah. Like, Hello, darling. I feel wonderful. He suddenly goes English, doesn't he? Gets he an English accent. <laughs> you must be the most sexy thing alive. Do you want to make love? Yeah. So, as she should have done many times before this scene, she gives him a slap. She does. <laughs> but he, he still gets quite forceful, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Roger has a fight with a random guy in the laundry room and bashes his brains in with a crowbar. Yeah, that's very random. I don't know who the guy is. We don't see him before. He's no. Just... He must have been one, another one of Annabelle's conquests. And Nick's still trying on with Janine, and she's like, okay, fuck it, I'll do it, but just let me put my contact lenses in. Oh, what the fuck do you need to put your contact lenses in? So she can see when they make love. <laughs> no, so she has an excuse to, to sneak out the room. Well, before she goes... And a nice little cry. <laughs> before she... A sex slug comes out of Nick's mouth, and it makes her cry a bit more. I don't think she saw that. If I still she, cried anyway. If she did, that's a terrible reaction to a massive <laughs> sex slug coming out your husband's mouth. <laughs> she she goes into the hallway and finds Betts, who's doing a scary slow-mo turnaround for her. Oh, she's absolutely... <laughs> she's wearing a beautiful outfit, though, isn't she? And she yeah. She's definitely trying to seduce she, she really means business. She does a, a, a L'Oreal turn, doesn't she, with her hair yeah. <laughs> in slow-mo? Because she's worth it. Uh, the... Security guard for the building finds the hot dog guy and uh, and the daughter from the lift eating the hot dog. Still, that that hot dog's lasted a long time. Um, Top of the range. And then the hot dog guy and the mum attack the security guard, and the daughter kisses him. Yeah, that's that. That was a bit weird. Yeah, you could have just had the mum do that. I don't know why the, like, the daughter. The daughter's like there. eight years old. Yeah, it's well. Yeah, but obviously. That's him now infected. The infection is, can be through kissing. Mm-hmm. Or as you said it, slightly sexual contact. Slightly sexual, slightly sexual contact. contact. Uh, nurse Forsyth calls the police and the old woman gets really excited by this. Oh, ho, ho, the police! Just to reiterate, um, and it almost gave me cramp in my arm, gave me carpal tunnel. Um, her name is Nurse Forsyth. <laughs> She's not given a first name. No. Uh, it is Nurse Forsyth, and having to write Nurse Forsyth every time I mention her, bloody her. <laughs> she's uh, she's going to call the police, uh, and then she leaves the room to go and get Roger, and uh, the husband of the couple goes, Hey, nurse, come back, my wife! <laughs> <laughs> Even though they were perfectly fine. Like, she was there bandaged up. She's smiling, know. she was well up. She was. Um, yeah, well, the phone line's been cut, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like any good horror film, the phone line's been cut. <laughs> the sex slugs cut the phone line. Uh, <laughs> Nurse Forsyth, uh, she finds the guy with his head bashed in. Yes. Uh, the random guy. And uh, Roger calls his room, and uh, the Italian guy answers, No, Nurse has left! <laughs> he sounds really happy on the phone. <laughs> So, uh, the sex zombie gang break into uh, Nurse Forsyth's apartment, and the old lady looks absolutely thrilled about this. She looks like she can't wait to turn into a sex zombie. (laughs) (laughs) 
Nurse Forsyth tries driving away, but gets attacked. And Roger comes to her rescue and shoots the guy. Yeah, I got really confused by what her issue was. Why she couldn't just drive off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but then I realised that there must have been some form of a sensor for the shutters. Yeah. Um, that wasn't working. Because it's a horror film. Yeah, of course. Uh, <laughs> so, and then she's attacked. Uh, but we don't know to what extent she's been attacked, no. do we? Roger, just this guy's jumped on her. Yeah, Roger tries driving through the uh, the doors, but he, the shutter, whatever it's called, uh, but a blue car smashes into them. Yeah, so throughout this whole thing, and, and it happens, once the shit hits the wall, um, hit, shit hits the fan, not the wall. Shit hits the wall, what the, the fuck's fuck? that? Shit hits the fan in this film. You just get random parts of, uh, and it's a bit awkward, just people being sexually assaulted in the mm. background. Um, and this guy's he's been sort of forcing himself on this woman on on a car, hasn't he, for this yeah. whole scene. Um, it feels like this, the same sort of um, clip played over and over. Mm-hmm. But then he realises that Roger is trying to get out, so he gets in the car and then rams into them. Yes. He manages to kill himself and only mildly hurt Nurse Forsyth. Roger's actually perfectly fine. <laughs> so, so, the security guard... Um, as fine as he can be. It's hard to tell with this acting. The security guard, a couple um, need us help with something, so he lures them into a room where he and the uh, sex zombie gang attack them. Yeah, so they're having an orgy in this room, aren't they? But yeah. Pretty much, they're having an orgy. Um... Yeah, that's bad. There's not really much to say. Bets is comforting Janine um, before she begs her to make love to her. She finally admits her feelings. And Janine isn't against No, her. Janine's like, yeah, sure, let's go so for it. So Janine is... Um, she hasn't been infected by this point, has she? No. And she actually... She doesn't stop the kiss. She goes in for the kiss. Yeah. Um, and obviously... She's infected, and, and it's quite cool um, special effect. Oh yeah, it? the special effects are great in this film. So as she's kissing Bets, um, her neck bulges out mm-hmm. quite far, and obviously that's the parasite entering her system. Yes. So Roger and Nurse Forsyth hide in the basement, whilst the sex slug expert goes to look for Roger, and instead gets Nick's sex slug to the face. <laughs> <laughs> what did you just say? <laughs> He gets Nick's sex slug to the face <laughs> and he removes it with a spanner and bashes it in the sink. <laughs> and then the bizarre series of events continues when Nick and his smoky belly button uh, attack the slug, sex slug expert and kills him. Yeah? Nick does have a smoky belly button for he some reason. He does have a smoky belly button. Well, it's fine. The, the thing is, we don't, we don't actually see it leaving the body. So it's not like no. Alien with the chest burster. We don't actually see it. But... We're led to believe that it's just burst through. So finally, all that pep talk that he's been given has finally worked. Yes. And he's, come on, boy. And he, he did it. He did it. So uh, Nurse Forsyth reveals she had a very strange dream uh, last night, didn't she? Yeah, I really love the delivery that Lynn Lowry does of this. Um, and she said, essentially, this is the moment when you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> she's, she, she's one of them. It's like, Roger, I had a very disturbing dream last night. 
In this dream, I found myself making love to a strange man. Only I'm having trouble, you see, because he's old and dying and he smells bad and I find him repulsive. But then he tells me that everything is erotic, that everything is sexual. You know what I mean? He tells me that even old flesh is erotic flesh, that disease is the love of two alien kinds of creatures for each other, that even dying is an act of eroticism, that talking is sexual, that breathing is sexual, that even to physically exist is sexual, and I believe him, and we make love beautifully. Thank you. Then she opens her mouth, the parasite tries to come out, and what stops it? Roger knocks her out, and he looks like he's been dying to do that the whole film. He does! He punches her around the face, <laughs> knocks her out, and then ties some, some form of like bandage or, or some, some fabric around her mouth. But that, that scene, I, I feel it's quite interesting, because <laughs> when you think about it, it's kind of like Alien, though, isn't it? Yeah. When, when you say that disease is the love of two alien kinds of creatures for each other then that works for Alien as well. So that whole idea that David Cronenberg thinks um, is Dan O'Bannon mm-hmm. stole a lot from this film, well, you could kind of see it. Yeah. I mean, they do a better, a much better job of it in Alien. No, no offence to Shivers, I like the film, but Alien is much better. Yeah, um, but you can kind of see those parallels between the two films. And uh, this is the first time we get to hear flesh in a full-length David Cronenberg feature film. Yeah. First of many, many times yes. where flesh is used in dialogue. But he doesn't do body horror. <laughs> no, no. Um, thank you for that monologue. Thank you. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed that. That was very good. I, I, you know. That'll be a big selling point in this episode. We'll use that to advertise it. I know I'm slightly past <laughs> my prime, but I, I could find a new new job in the in the theatre. I, I think so. So, um, <laughs> after knocking her out, Roger ties a cloth round Nurse Forsyth's face. And they, they try to escape, but they get attacked by the sex zombies. Roger manages to get away. Yeah, well, um, they... It's talking about stealing things. Uh, they're going down this corridor of um, all the walls and the doors are like slatted wood, mm-hmm. which I find really strange. I don't know if it, I'm assuming this is like the changing rooms for the swimming pool, maybe or some form of sauna or something. People can live because you could, you know, you can see right through the slats and. But they're running down, aren't they? And then mm-hmm. the hands come out. Yeah. Very much repulsion. Yeah, yeah. Very much repulsion. And then something similar done in Day of the Dead. Um, but it, it's it's quite an effective scene. And then you get all these um, people come out and Roger manages to escape. But um, Nurse Forsyth doesn't. No. Uh, Roger shoots Nick. And he tries to escape him. He finds kids being walked like dogs and making dog noises. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. It's the twins from Parent Trap. <laughs> it does look like them. Um, it goes the other way. And then this is when he comes across two gay sex zombies. One with a meaty, meaty moustache. Yes. It almost course. pops out of the screen. It's so meaty. He's a gay guy in 1975. I'm like, oh, hello. Like, we look a bit of Roger. 
So um, they uh, they lure him into a room, but he shuts the door on them, and they're outside and like, come on, darling, come out. They are pretty much like... <laughs> it's quite the stereotype, let's yeah. be fair. I mean, you hadn't seen anyone in Speedos until this point. No. You get two gay guys in their Speedos uh, after Roger. You wouldn't even know they were possessed by the sex on this. They were just having a general conversation when the lift door opened. It was, yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah. I don't know. So... Um, with 1975, different times. Roger should have just went with the gay sex zombies because he goes into this apartment and <laughs> there's an old man in there with his daughter. He's like, this is my daughter, Erica. She's very good. And then they start having a snog. <laughs> I think he'd like my daughter, Erica. <laughs> and then, yeah, and then he starts snogging his daughter. So, uh, and I'm like, well, what is it, mate? You're trying to get rid of her? <laughs> Or do you want to feast out? He's like, fuck it, I'll just have it myself. <laughs> Roger's fuming. <laughs> Absolutely fuming. He wanted a bit of Erica. Yeah, and he wanted daughter taken, Erica. So he goes, you can't tell he's fuming because of the acting. <laughs> uh, so, uh, actually, we shouldn't laugh because Erica's quite young, isn't she? Yeah. She actually does look quite young. So, uh, he, he legs it from the room. He goes to the swimming pool area and two girls are giving him the fuck me eyes. That's um, Bets and Janine. Was that Bets and Janine? Bets I didn't and even Janine, fucking recognise them. That's Bets and Janine. Oh, they've got it all out. Mm. and uh, Well, they're fully dressed, but you can pretty much yeah. see through it all. He escapes the tower block. It's not the warmest of swimming pools, no. is it, my dear? He escapes, but there's a gang of sex zombies forcing him back in. They're running down after him, or walking down after him. Uh, and the, the uh, husband, was it the Italian husband? Italian husband. Yeah, he uh, pushes him into the swimming pool. He's in the walking stick. Yeah. He pulls a really weird face when he's he like, does. Mm. <laughs> My wife! <laughs> well, Betts is trying to get him in as well, isn't she? Yeah. Old Betts. So, um, they uh, they all get into the swimming pool. They all attack him. So, this, this is where the crew starts taking their clothes off. Yeah. Children. So, you just get, like, flashes of genital... Well, female. Um, you know, it's 1975. Uh, <laughs> Horror film. You ain't gonna get any willies. Um, so you see flashes of boobs and um, bush in the background, don't you? Yes. Jumping in. So they all decide to get dressed after this because they're all fully dressed, get in their cars and drive off. Whilst a news report plays about citywide sexual assaults. Well, it's so they all jump in the swimming pool, and then you get a slow mo shot of Nurse Forsyth. Who's changed outfit for some reason, isn't yeah. she? She's wearing this, like, purple crop top, mm-hmm. like, tied her up. Um, she slow-mo kisses him. And by this point, he's the last one. It's it's He's the last sane person yeah. there. Um, and then, obviously, he's become one of them. And then we cut to everyone driving out of the car mm-hmm. park into the world. Yeah. So Hobbs... Kind of got his way in the end. Yeah. And whilst the news report plays about sexual assaults uh, happening all across the city. Yeah. And that's the end of Shivers. And that's Shivers. So. Uh, I enjoy, I like Shivers. This I is such like an on-brand horror culture show of film. <laughs> yeah. It's got a lot to enjoy. Yeah. It's got the horror elements. It's got the B-movie silliness. Mm-hmm. It's got comedy moments um is the acting fantastic no does it have to be no no um 
it it's a great first film for David Cronenberg. Oh yeah, yeah. He he starts as he means to carry on. Um, it's definitely a precursor to his work that followed. Mm-hmm. The elements of body horror, um, sex, sex is death, all that business. Absolutely, you know. Definitely a Cronenberg film. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not to do it a disservice because it's actually a very accomplished film as well. Oh, yeah. For a first feature. Yeah. You know, it's not perfect, but it's a great film. What do you think is the theme of the film? What do you think he's trying to say? I think he's trying to say a lot about class and. <laughs> If this was released 10 years later, I'd say it was something about AIDS. Mm-hmm. Um, if this, yeah, if this was made 10 years afterwards, you could mm-hmm. totally see it as an allegory for the AIDS pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas at this stage, I don't think there's anything going on in the 70s. I mean, there was always the fear of the sexual revolution mm. getting out of hand. Um, so maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe, you know. I, I'm assuming, obviously, it refers to venereal disease. Mm-hmm. Um, so that existed at the time, sexually transmitted infections, um, obviously existed back then. Do you think he, Cronenberg, is um, looking negatively at the sexual revolution? Um, I don't know, because it, it's difficult with Cronenberg, because like you said, he went on to include sex and body horror in everything he did. Yeah. So... <sighs> I don't know if it's, if it's that, because I don't think he would have continued it into the 80s, if that was the case. Do you, the thing at the end, when they're driving off, a lot of them never looked happier. No. Uh, particularly Janine, mm-hmm. who never looked happier than riding in the car with Bets. Yeah. She had a terrible relationship with her husband, mm-hmm. Nick. Nick died. Yeah. You know, he paid for his sins... Because he was cheating on his wife. That's how he mm-hmm. got the parasite. You know? Um, whereas Janine was a loyal wife. Um, and she kind of got a happy ending with Bets. Yeah. She never pulled away from that kiss with Bets. No. So, um, and it, it, it's a difficult one. Um, because there's also a case for there not really being any sort of... Um, theme to the film he just he just wrote a film that yeah. happened to be yeah. this is how it played out he liked the idea of a parasite being sexually transmitted or all that but to me i think you could read into it uh, people relying on their gut mm-hmm. literally yeah people's guts <laughs> you know or um going crazy but People giving in to their baser instincts mm-hmm. and just doing what the hell they liked. Yeah. In this apartment building that was very sanitised. Mm-hmm. It was very sanitised. Everywhere was very clean, very plain. Yeah. And these these people, they never... Because of how this apartment building was, with tennis court, golf court, mm-hmm. doctor, dentist, all yeah. that business... Butchers, bakers, mm-hmm. they never had to leave this no, place. No, And so they were stuck in, through their own decisions, 
stuck in this very sanitized mm-hmm. um, place. Yeah. And this parasite comes in, you know, shit hits the fan, mm-hmm. and they give in to their baser instincts. Yeah. And they end up, you know, taking their clothes off in front of a room full of people yeah. and jumping into the swimming pool. Yeah, this is, I think this very could well be David Cronenberg laughing at certain types of class and uh, privileged people. Yeah. And I, I think you, you could maybe, because Roger is the sole survivor, mm. and then he's finally captured and made into one of these, you know, sex zombies, yeah. let's call it. Um, it could be seen as a downbeat ending. Yeah. If it ended there, I would say yes, downbeat mm-hmm. ending. But you get them driving out into the world, smiles on their faces, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> looking pretty, like, done up. I yeah. mean, you know, Nurse Forsyth's got her hair done, she's got a flower in her hair. And if this spreads across the world you know, to everyone, and everyone becomes a sex zombie, well, what's the problem? Mm-hmm. Everyone's just having fun. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, I think you could read into it uh, like yeah. that. And maybe there's no message at all. No, I think that's an interesting takeaway. And yeah. If, you know, if you could take something away from it, well, it's done its job. So maybe it wasn't a critique mm. of the sexual revolution but actually a celebration yeah. of people, their choices, mm-hmm. you know, and doing whatever the hell they like. Yeah. Um, it's an idea. No, I agree. Yeah. Well. Watch the film and yes. let us know what you think. Oh, yeah, that's highly recommended. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that is Shivers. So... If you are on social media, talk to us about Shivers. We're on Horror Court Trash over Facebook and Instagram, Horror Court Trash on Twitter. If you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe, like, follow, and everything else. Follow us on Spotify. I am DeletGaz92 on Letterboxd, GazMo255 on Instagram, and GazCruz92 on Twitter. I am ChrisBarker823 on Letterboxd, Twitter, and um, Instagram. And we will be back on Sunday with our second London Film Festival coverage episode. And mm. uh, we'll also be back with another Halloween Classics episode a week today with The Shining. <gasps> yeah. That's going to be a very long episode. It may even be a two-parter. Who knows? We'll have to see. <laughs> oh, yeah. The first half dedicated to me talking about how wonderful Shelley Duvall is. Yeah, pretty much. Single way. Yeah. Okay, cool. So we'll see you Sunday and the same time, same place next week. Bye.